Welcome to A Few Deep, a hangout podcast where a guest and I drink multiple styles of beer and talk about this, that, and the other thing. I'm your host, Joe Varga. So come on, let's get a drink. Happy holidays and happy Saturday, everybody. I'm a little under the weather, so if my voice sounds a little sexy, it's because I'm a little sick. You know, that kind of vibe. I hope everybody had a great Christmas. Mine was very good. I had a quiet but uh, great day. Uh, we spent dinner with the fam. Um, yeah, we're closing out the season. We're closing out the holiday season. And it's go- it went by fast. So uh, New Year's is upon us. And it's just right around the corner. You guys got resolutions? Mine is always the same for every year. It's, you know, to do better. Or whatever whatever that may be. It's just to do better. You know, don't be such a fuckhead. That's me for me. So, um, yeah. So we're closing out this year uh, with the last episode of the year, obviously. Uh, which will be today. Um, with my friend Sean and Dan. Uh, we're, we're closing in with the cooking and the cookbooks and we had, uh, um, so we went into a little bit more, uh, with the cookbooks this time, uh, on this round, which is cool. So we got to hear, you know, what sort of, you know, ins- inspiration came from these and why, and sort of like, you know, how it maybe developed or, or, um, yeah, or added to their skills or, you know, was like their Bible, their set, their their core of like, that's where I went every time, you know, I needed to just go back and and go for my, from my, for my roots, basically, for my roots. So, yeah. So, yeah, we did all that. Um, it was great. Loved having those guys on. They were fun. Um... I think that's that's going to be I'm not going to rant too much today. I'm not, you know, it's not I don't really have anything else for the left of the year. Um we're closing in on the 92nd podcast. So we're closing in on 100. So this coming year we're going to have a 100 100th episode. That's exciting. I've been doing this for 100 100 episodes. That's pretty cool. So yeah. Um all right, I'm just going to roll right into it, all right guys. All right, here we go. What's happening? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm back with Sean and Dan. I won't use their last names this time because it's not informal. Just want to use it the first time to get everybody up to speed. It's fine. We're back for round two. Talking about lots of culinary, lots of cooking. And we're going to get back to it. First of all, first things first, we've got to grab beer. You got to chug that one. Okay. <laughs> 
But we're going to have a bike dog, which is a West Coast IPA, I believe, called Dog Years. And this one is 7% from West Sacramento, California. And we'll see how this bad boy looks. It is a West Coast. I've had a good bike dog before. I was at the uh, Thank you. Yeah. IPA Festival in Hayward. You guys ever been to that? Yeah, no. I've been there. Bistro. Uh, bistro, yes. Bistro. I've been to the um, the, the barrel-aged uh, event. It Thank used you. to be the place to get younger, right? Oh, this looks a little hazy. So uh, Easier than I would consider. You know, Pliny, Pliny, of course, always steals the show. But i got to say, I enjoyed the bike dog. I remember it from that day. Where's no, it from? I've, West Sacramento. Oh. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, you're welcome. So we didn't get, get to talking enough about cookbooks, huh? Yeah, so we're going to be... Let's, let's do some cookbooks and let's do some, uh, like... Well, we did a little bit about your favorite cookbook, blah, blah, blah. We had, a, we had the Bible stuff. Um, let's, let's start off with... So using a cookbook, what about it is... And, and why, I guess... Um, uh, do you find it to be super important, I guess? Like, cause, so you have all these, like, cookbooks, you have a lot, and, you know, there's sort of a, a narrow it down kind of a thing. What is it about cookbooks, I guess, that makes it so important to have these? So I should probably say I collect vinyl records, too. Perfect. And there's a like correlation it. there. You're a collector, well, I collect vinyl and I collect cookbooks, and I think they're closely related. Yeah, but you're, but just in general, you're a collector. I sort of, I mean, I collect CDs, you know, yeah. random shit. But you're a collector, right? So you like sure. to, you know, have there's, things. There's a little bit of a footprint there. Yeah. Uh, so started with collecting vinyl. Well, I collected cookbooks from the '90s, but it was three to five books a year. About three to five years ago, uh, I started collecting vinyl records. So every city I went to, I tried to. Seek out the vinyl and what were people listening to, what was available. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and just sort of evolved into cookbooks. Okay. And um, enjoy reading about or seeing what's available in different regions of the country. Uh, I enjoy reading about restaurants and where people get their food. Um. Yeah, and you know, I, I think I said earlier, I unfortunately don't cook out of them as much as I should. You know, I mean, it's mostly it's so convenient to find a recipe online and something that's very close to what you have in your fridge already. That's yeah. the unfortunate part about it. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's one of those things where you sort of uh, you want to... Um, You sort of want to want to want to try to almost cook a recipe a month out of the book that you have, and sort of go from there. Mm-hmm. And because I feel like there's a reason you bought the book to begin with, and we we sort of just take away. You know, most of the time when you buy a book, it's just like the one, right? You're just like, I, I like that recipe. I want to buy it for their veggie burger because you know it looked fucking great in the picture. 
and I want to see how it would taste. And then he sort wanna, of like gained knowledge from the rest of it. I want to talk about one book in particular. Uh-huh. I, bought, I bought in New York City in Manhattan on the Upper East Side. I traveled to New York to buy a book about San Francisco. But it was, uh, it was, uh, Tartine, right? The Tartine? The, yeah, the bread book. Uh, Chad Robertson. Okay. That was the guy's name. And, uh, Sean had been cooking bread. He said, hey, there's a great recipe in this book. And, um, I saw it when I was in Manhattan. And, uh, bought it and, um, cooked bread out of it. Successfully, I would say. Okay. Uh, there's a recipe at the start of that book, and uh, it's another one that's 15 or 16 pages long, and you could even read more about it if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but it came out great. I cooked uh, a country loaf at home, and um, it was fantastic. And I'll just say this. Uh, I The two or three times I've tried to make bread out, same recipe, uh, came out like shit. It's a complex recipe. Uh, at least I find it. Uh, the first time I hit it out of the park, and the last two times um, I really struggled with it. Huh. But um, I bring it up because I know Sean's cooked a little bit out of it. That's probably the only cookbook that I I take literally for what it is, uh, because that book taught me how to cook bread at home commercially. Commercially, Ooh, yeah, that's to, good. to make a, a, a to make a product at home that turns out like it would be in, in a bread store, right? Like a bakery, he, like a very he he has a recipe, and it's it's he probably has like forty or fifty different items you can cook out of that book. But the one thing that country bread recipe that he showcases in that book, and he teaches, and he and he takes it to the the basic level. Yeah, you know, to anybody that were were to show up, he basically okay. handed him that recipe, handed him a, uh, um, a, a combo. Uh, what's it? The combo cooker, which is like a, it's like it's a cast iron pan with a lid, and it, it recreates a, uh, a cooking environment much like a, uh, like a bakery. Where okay, they, they, there's like, it holds the steam in there. It allows the bread to rise like it is. Yeah. Um. It's the only book where I, I do not deviate from that recipe at all. Okay. But you're like everything is right here. It's and and I haven't and I and and I haven't. Yeah. And every time I, I bake this thing, everybody tells me, Oh, this is great. You make the best bread ever. I'm like, No, I just use his recipe. Yeah. Every other recipe I've done from a, any other cookbook I try and do my own thing, but uh-huh. with this one recipe from Tartine Joe, you've not had Sean's bread before? No, actually I don't think I've had it. Okay. What he's saying is true. It's delicious bread. Yeah. And it's I'll, very delicious. And I'll vouch, it, it, I'll vouch that it's not an easy recipe. It, what, what, it's what, a feel recipe. It, for it's sure. not it, an easy recipe. What kind of bread is it? What, 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 what it's was a country you? sourdough. It's a sourdough, but okay. it's, got a, it's got a wheat uh, sort of overage on it. It's a little more tan. And, uh-huh. Yeah. So in, in, and you and you use it for sli- you slice it you know, use it for your own sure it's got a crunchy low, yeah. outer loaf okay it, perfect it's almost impossible to to cook commercial style bread at home yeah because of the environment that a, you that don't a have commercial what other people have had yeah. steam injected ovens like 
to, to retain the heat, all this stuff. I mean, like you look at you look at deck ovens and 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 and, and bakeries. They they pride themselves in, in big ovens that can yeah. retain the heat, that can inject steam in. This is what you're able to recreate in a combo cooker, which is what he did. He he, he created a book that that obviously has got like fifty or sixty recipes, but the one recipe that that holds true is his country bread, which basically he he. He created this recipe and he tried to reinvent it in the house or the home. Yeah. And he, he took a bunch of subjects that he knew as friends and, and gave them the combo cooker and said, Here, reproduce this. I will check back with you in 30 days and see how you're doing. And they all successfully made this bread. Wow. Okay. And so, well, with Dan and I, he's probably done this three times. And I keep telling Dan, I go, Dan, I'm not smarter than you when it comes to this. You just need the repetition of doing this, and you'll recreate this bread. Yeah. But every time I bring this bread around, everybody's like, "Wow, oh my God, this is better than anything I've ever had in any restaurant, in any you know right. market, anything else." I go, "I'm not changing the recipe. I'm just I'm, I'm following sticking the to book. it and following it." Yeah. So, well, as we get into cookbooks, I'd like to say that that this cookbook. If there's one that I, I, I go back to all the time, it's this book. Cartoon? For bread. For this one recipe. Just the bread. Just this one recipe. Okay. It, it, it's a bread book. And he like I said, he, he goes into all these other things because he's probably filling sure. the back end of the book. And I'll tell you that the other 40 or 50 recipes <laughs> don't translate as well. Because I, I really think that this book is about one recipe. It, it really is. But it's a successful recipe. If there's one book and you want to learn how to bake bread, and there's and there's what's been, it called again? It's called Tartine. Tartine. He's from San Francisco. Well, he's and what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, Chad Robertson. Chad Robertson. Tartine. Okay. If there's one book on bread, and, and there's been many people that I've seen at the farmers markets around here that took his book. These are housewives. Mm-hmm. Took his book, recreated his bread, and then sold it on their. Well, they they went into other stuff. They followed his other recipes. They went into commercial kitchens and they made it work. And they're now like Bachhaus bread. There's there's other bakeries in Burlingame in this area that took his book, his his Bible, and made it what it is. Okay. For their own profit. I walk into a store and I buy a loaf of bread, and I could tell if it's a country loaf recipe. Interesting. Uh, just by the way it looks and feels, right? I like that. I like. I love the the fact that you already would know, like, because because you made the recipe, you know, and you just kind of go there and you're like, no, this is, this is something that this guy. I, I've had this bread before. So I'm excited uh, to go through the rest of that book. You know, I'm still trying to master that. There's only one thing you the have to learn from that book. There's about. one recipe from that book you only have to learn, and it will it will change who you are as a baker. <laughs> It'll change everything. I mean, it's just that one recipe. It really was, is. As you were talking, I was thinking, one recipe out of a book, if it's that good enough recipe, that's probably... That's worth a book. It's worth the book. Absolutely. Because right? uh, you're going to learn a million other things just from that one recipe. Just from that one recipe. <laughs> uh, I, I want to bring up another one, Sean. One recipe would be the Zuni Cafe. If you got that, did you bring the Zuni Cafe? 
Uh, I've owned the Zuni Cafe. I'm a, I'm a library. <laughs> He's got the whole motherfucking I appreciate thing. that Sean actually brought a few books. Yes. Let's talk about Zuni Cafe. To be, You guys will be really um, surprised to hear. I, first, I, co- co- first copy I owned of Zuni Cafe. By Judy what? Judy Rodriguez? Rogers? Judy Rogers. Judy, Judy Rogers. Rogers. Uh, I bought it about a year ago. Okay. I paid full price for it. I bought it... Uh, at a bookstore in, uh, in Campbell, and uh, uh, there's a recipe in there, the the roast chicken, that um, I love making on New Year's Day. I know we're going to talk about New Year's Day. Or exactly, we're, we're talking we're, about New Year's we're Day. We're supposed yeah. to be talking about New Year's Day. Not supposed to be. It's just kind of a thing. And uh, time wise, uh, I can tell you for, with a hundred percent certainty. I've made Judy Rogers roast chicken each of the last two New Year's days. Um, it, it's a fabulous recipe. It's a simple recipe. Uh, it, it's literally chicken and salt and air. So, to understand who she is, where she came from, yeah, Judy Cafe is on Market Street, towards the Mission District. Is she still open? She's still open. She's no longer with us. Oh right, okay. Um, she trained under Alice Waters, who is the mother of the Which machines. is, we're going to go full circle, because we're going to go, that's with Samine oh, Norstrom. No. Yeah. So she has worked Alice under is... here at, uh, what's the, uh, what's the, what, in Oakland? Shapanese. Shapanese. Yes. Alice Waters is, is Thomas Keller, they all came from under her. Uh, she doesn't get enough credit she is brilliant, yeah. She, she, well, brilliant or not, or she's she's, just, she's who she is. She's she, who she, she is, started yeah. it all. She yeah. started farm to table. She started all that stuff in mm-hmm. Berkeley, and it it was it was never something to be bigger than what she thought it was going to be. It was just her humble beginnings. This and, is and what she was. does. Yeah. So all these guys and all these girls came from underneath her. Uh, Judy Rogers came from under her. And started Zuni Cafe, which is its own, it's its own thing on, on Market Street. So this book and her chicken is is phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, so it's a the, staple. It, it's the method of the of air drying the bird, yeah, with salt and drying out the moisture. Uh huh. Nothing else but air and salt and uh, very simple and cooking it at the right temperature. And you end, what it, what it yields is a uh, crispy skin, absolutely savory and crispy. It's almost and, like a rotisserie, almost. Right, and um, so each of the last two New Years, I made a point to make sure I I cook that. So that's probably as close as to a routine tradition recipe as I'll, I'll probably come to for for New Year's. For New Year's, perfect. I mean, that's great. That's a uh, do you have do you have any elef- elements of uh, luck or anything that you like add in there, like? Because so I'll give so you. I, a, I, so I am a little bit of a, if you're asking if I'm like um, not superstitious, superstitious, or I'm uh, not. I am though. I am. Yeah. And uh, you know they always say you want to start the year off the um, way you would expect to have the rest of your year. So you want food in your fridge, or yeah, wealth and you know whatever fruit in your basket. Or, yeah. Uh, so I do try to make sure that happens. Um. 
Regardless of what you eat that day, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I definitely do the chicken, and um, I, I yeah, it, it's uh, something that I'll would, would say it's a tradition now for me, my family. So, uh, how long have you been doing her chicken? Well, I've done it a few times, but it was under uh, initially under Thomas Keller, right? Who's learned part of, it, part of learned the, it from her. So her, her deal is like you take a chicken, you, you blot it dry, you salt it, you put it on like speed know, rack of a, some sort, a drying some, a drying in rack. the fridge, and you let it dry out for a day or two. So like everything kind of like soaks into dries that out. Meat. Well, it just dries up so mm-hmm. that when you put it in the oven, it the skin crisps up and and it it's almost like dry curing, right? It's mm-hmm. like. I did my Thanksgiving turkey that way actually a little bit this year. Just did it work out? Well, I did the wine. I did the wine, so I had a little moisture in it, but I air dried it for two days or something like that, and it worked mm-hmm. out great. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, the air drying, because uh, yeah, because you're 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 seasoning it, and it's gonna soak that in, and it's gonna fl- it's gonna basically juice up that bird, basically. Yeah. Basically, a drying out almost. It enhances the juice. I want to get back to that specific recipe because we, yeah. we were talking about the roast chicken. It's yeah. not just the chicken. It's the bread that uh, sort of absorbs all the chicken oils and fats and okay. flavors. And yeah. They serve a, a sort of a panzanella bread salad. Have you eaten there? I have eaten there. Huh? So you had the whole like... The two-person entree with the salad on the side? I haven't. Okay. Um, but um, I'm talking about the recipe. I've made it at home. Uh, the panzanella salad with the bread and the, the greens and the roast chicken. It's really the three of them combined into one dish that yeah. really puts it all together. So, uh, how about you, Sean? What about, uh, you, you were talking about another book there? Um, well, this is, this well, used to be one of my go-to books. So, do, what do you make, Sean, out of, out of the Zuni Cafe? And what I make the what, What's the love that it comes out of that? I, you know what, this is, I'll say this, most of the, the, the books I buy are for one item. And, I'll, I'll and that makes sense for sure because I, I relate to that. I see one item, I'm like, I'm gonna make this specific one because everything else is like, eh, so so. Even like tartine, it was. Uh, you try to do the other things, but you realize you, yeah. you paid forty bucks for that one secret. Which her secret is how to air dry a, a chicken and, and cook it better than any other. I want to pick this up. Um, what I love about this book and. I come to find out after I bought it was there's probably 40 or 60 pages of basic general knowledge about cooking. Absolutely. That's kind of what a lot of uh, cook or I say chefs do. They, they sort of want to like leap you into their world, right? Bring you into you their there. persona, their schema. That. And they want to teach you. And, that, and that's right. the thing about fundamentally learning about that stuff. It's just like, yes. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm at looking through this, and Lee, sure, I'm at page eighty-eight, and that's probably one of the first recipes I saw. Okay, the first eighty pages was yeah, was basic how to be in a kitchen. 
That's what I appreciate about that book, too. Well, that, too. And then there's also, like, uh, you know, and, and Sean, you probably learned this early on, too. And I, I sort of learned this very late in the game of, you know, like, knife skills and breaking down things, right? Like, so you, you pro- in culinary school, they probably taught you how to break yeah. down a bird, uh, how to hold the knife, yeah. uh, what to do. And people don't know... Basic cooks and, you know, even some chefs that think they're chefs. I'm glad you brought that up. Don't know how to do things like that. And, Joe, I was in your kitchen for 15 seconds, but if I really want to know how much you know about cooking and you like how much you cook, I look at your... Yeah. Your What's in your kitchen? What tools Uh do you have? Absolutely. What are you working with? Um... I'm proud when I add a new device to my kitchen. Absolutely, me too. That's like my favorite thing. I'm like, fuck yeah. I just added something I'm going to use for the rest of my life. I don't care if it's once. I'm still going to use it. Um, I'm sorry. I got distracted there. We were talking about your... I forgot. Uh, we're, we're saying um, the... The uh, like that you already have all the simple skills. Oh, the knife skills. Yeah, the right. knife skills. How are your to, kitchen to, to knife break, skills? To break down things. Do you have good kitchen knife skills? Well, probably I'm probably better than the average person. Right. Uh, um, if if there's a couple books that that I would go to to, to start off, Alice Waters has a couple basic books geared towards. The beginning chef, and for her, I mean, it's it's a step back for her to do something like this, but it's it starts from probably her same humble humble beginnings as well. She's been everywhere, right? She yeah. she knows she's at the top, yeah. But now she's got a couple books that are very basic, and they and they will teach the beginner chef, you know, whatever age, how to to do the basics and do like a basic vinaigrette, all that stuff. Yeah. Which is, there's a lot to to cooking where it it starts with fundamentals. And you have to have that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, any cook could pick up a knife and follow a recipe, but if you don't know how to chop, if you don't know how to hold a knife, then... It kind of defeats the purpose, right? Well, it's it's going to be tougher. I mean, it's, it's going to take it a lot longer. Dangerous too. It's dangerous. It's going to take a lot longer if you don't know how to crunch your hands like the what do you call it the uh, uh, the the claw holding. You know, yeah, where you, you just you, like, you bend your fingertips back. You bang your finger. Yeah, I make some people don't know that they keep their shit out. Right, they're chopping fingertips off. Joe, I make a choice when I cook. I would I would probably be my cooking would be much much better. If I didn't care about like time, and I'm making a mess, uh, you know I'm a little OC- well for sure. Uh, so I'm yeah. a little OCD. So me too. I don't want to make a mess. I sort of try so, to clean as I go. You know, right? Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. You have to do that. But I probably sacrifice. I should. Hey, you know what? I probably should use two pans or three pans for this. But I'm just gonna wing it, and I'm gonna do one pan, uh, and it probably sacrifice some of the texture or, or uh, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I didn't want to fucking make a mess. Um, I hate sense. having a dirty kitchen. And sometimes I look I look back and I see, you know, that was good. It would have been better if I wasn't worried about having to wash the dishes. Clean it up and shit, right. Yeah, no, I feel that. Frying, that's frying is a big part of it. You know, I don't want to fry sometimes or... Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Speaking so, well, speaking of frying, do you guys do you guys do a lot of deep deep frying or not? Wings probably is what I fry the most. The other day I fried uh, oysters. Cool. They were on sale at Lucky's. So I you fry actually. I fry wings. You fry quite a bit. I I love. Yeah. I hate to eat heat up but like a half gallon of oil just to. I know. Just I, one I, item. I, I, I bought I an air fryer for that. So when I make wings, is that frying is that air fryer. Is that even? It's count? the same because you get a little bit of oil, right? And it's so crisp. It, it works. Tastes the same. It, pretty, pretty much. So what's that? How's that work? It's not deep frying, you know. But there's oil there, and then it. Well, you sort of um, there's there's two layers. There's there's like the heat element underneath, and there's another heat that like blows down. It's convective. So kind of drying it out, but heating at the same time, so you get that same. So how's that fry? crisp? Feel? Is there oil involved? Because you got to spray it with a little bit of oil. Oh, okay. A little bit. Kind of. But the oil drips off of it and it catches on the bottom, so yeah, it separates. So you get, you know, I mean, it's not just. Uh, so it tastes like fried food. But it's not drenched in oil. You don't yeah. dip it. But I, I do wings like that. I do some Brussels sprouts. I do some random things in that thing just to, you know, make it different. Can just you a, do fish and chips? Uh, probably not as well. It would probably suck in that. Because, you know, fish and chips, a, a batter really... Fish and chips is true fried. Yeah, and you, and you can't do a batter really in that. It, it kind of has to be, like, if you make wings, right, you're doing like what? Uh, I don't know, maybe like... Wings can kind of mimic that. Right, so you get a little, you know, a little... If you do a little cornstarch or, or however you do your wings, you know, you know, you can get a little There's bit... There's a lot of play in wings, but yeah. fish and chips... But fish and chips, like, yeah, it has to be deep fried. fried. Yeah. You're not frying that in the air all fryer. Right, all right, all right. Air fryer is like, you know, maybe for some veggies, very light frying, a little bit of oil, it's going to, like, drip off, healthy so it's a little healthier. Yeah, but not crazy healthier, you know, depending on how you do it. But... Deep frying, like, do you guys do a lot of deep frying? Or, like you said, you don't want to heat up a bunch of I shit for one I, thing. You'll break it. Well, I, I my, love fried food. But. I, I do. I, I fried some tacos for the tailgate. I made the um, Morisco Salisco taco copycats, right? With my the, big thing is I'm worried about what to do with the oil <laughs> after. I'm like, well, what Sometimes do do it's one and done, son. You yeah, know, right. You just you, do one you, and done. Half gallon of oil, you got to dump it down. Well, thing. that night, I think I did the tacos, and then I ended up doing the wings in the same oil. So that worked out pretty good. Same things my mom used to say that she would just... And reuse it? And or? reuse it. Yeah. Sometimes they would keep it on well, the stove. They, they say it's better. Doesn't like, go chemically. bad. Doesn't go bad, no. Right, you yeah. have to strain it though. Same better. Oh yeah, I was saying you got to you got to strain the strain shit out it, of it, and then it ends yeah. up doing something with the protein. There was a uh, there was a restaurant I was watching on TV, uh, on probably the Food Network. Uh, there was a certain a certain specific one, but I can't remember what it was. That that oil technically, technically the oil it's perishable was, hundred and thirty years old. Mm. Yeah, so they would just keep adding to it instead of. Taking away, right? Instead of cleaning it and making it, they would just keep adding stuff to it. Well, I've heard a lot of recipes are like that, like the sour, the boudin sourdough, or the well, like anything, like we, like would you not technically a clean, little bit of yesterday's ends up into the start of right. Today. Well, you technically don't clean the pan yeah. all the way. Right, you clean it, but that shit sort of like it's kind of like Sean Starter on his on his uh, country love bread. 
Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm like, that's what I'm looking for. I'm rancid oil. I don't know. Yeah, no, no. right, and I agree with that. It's it could be rancid oil. It's just, but, I think yeah. oil gets rancid, right? Absolutely, and I agree with that. But apparently, this restaurant, or whatever, just a little bit okay. It's just not even a little bit. This shit was just like it's <laughs> a been, lot of it. I mean, I guess, but it's just they've never cleaned it. It's been going on for like a hundred years. I'll say this: I mean, we're talking about fried food. Yeah, I don't have a go-to fried food. I think wings I do okay. Uh-huh. I do the double boil, um, you know, 350 and then 400. Boil them once to cook them and then boil them at higher temp to crisp them up. So you boil them first, then crisp them? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the best wing recipe I've ever made was I sort of confit them in uh, bacon. So I just cooked them in bacon, like a package of bacon. I cooked a dozen wings, two dozen wings or something. Interesting. Confit them in bacon, and then I put them in the fridge overnight. Took them out of the bacon fat and put them in the fridge on it. Yeah. Let them cool down. and uh, Then I hit them like at 400 oil the next day. They're delicious. Did you make your own sauce and whatnot? Uh, I always eat Frank's Red Hot. Or whatever, if Sean has a recipe. Yeah, if Sean has a, a bottle. a great of, one. Uh, if um, any of Sean's... Uh, sauces are around I'll use that which is great I'm excited to try it I usually for my wings I start with the Frank Red Hot but I always add so I always do garlic I do another something death you know whatever it is like something that's gonna burn the fuck out of you I just do like a drop and then right. I do a little bit of Tabasco butter heat the sauce make the sauce and and then when the wings are done just fucking toss it so you, what's your hot threshold? It's pretty good. Seven, eight, nine? Uh, I'm probably about a seven to eight, seven and a half, eight. Laura's is about a hundred. Really? Yeah. Her, she'll, she'll only eat if it's she, hot. Hmm. She Hispanic or? She's a Hispanic, yeah. She's okay. actually Chilean. So she uh, was born in big, Chile. There's not big heat down there. No, but she just loves Love. fucking yeah. hot stuff. And it doesn't matter what I cook, because I'm like, this recipe that I made is perfect. She's like, it's not spicy enough. Yeah. No matter what it is, it doesn't matter. It needs to be, like, she, she'll she be like, nose dripping, all the stuff. Still doesn't matter. She's like, that's oh, fucking whatever. But I just want to keep eating. It's so hot. I'll wait till the waiter brings the hot sauce before I eat. Really? Uh, yeah, everything has to be spicy for me. For sure. Very few feeds foods I eat without. It kills all the flavor. Mm. It sort of does too much, right? So I'm with you on that, but I love well, hot. I'm not trying to kick my ass every bite. I like, hot, I like bite. it carbonized. Yeah. I like balance. I've, I like, I'm if a I, big... I'm eating hot, I, I enjoy eating hot for being hot, but if I want to try something... Sure. Hot's too much. I can't say that I'm the same way, man. I, I definitely seek out spicy... But I guess and if it's not spicy, I wait until the spicy comes. If I know it's available, I'll wait for the Tabasco to show up. Yeah, because I mean, the, the, what we're saying too is like it sort of ruins the dish. Not ruins it, but it sort of. But that, it almost it almost that's doesn't almost matter. Kind of part of it, though, right? Well, it like, almost it almost like, doesn't matter what the dish tastes like. Very few yeah, dishes it's, it's go like bad with Tabasco. The heat level, guys. right? I mean, right now, now it's about heat level. 
Pancakes, you're right. I'm not going to wait for Tabasco. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. but I, th- I think when you get into wings and, and wings hot food, and whatnot, you, you really are looking for the heat level. I don't know if you're actually even checking so the have flavor. So have you guys ever gone to... Um, I'm going to have some of this, by the way. Yeah. Have you, have you guys ever gone to a um, Buffalo Wild Wings? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've been, yes. <laughs> That's good. So after like six or seven, you're not you're not tasting meat anymore. You're tasting hot the sauce and whatever that is. Yeah. And so Laura loves hot food. I like hot food. She loves it. So I'm you know we're on the level. My dad eats it like candy too. So my dad orders these wings that are. Hot. But do they ever talk talk about the the meat that was well, the hot sauce served, guys, or do they talk about the heat level? It's all about the heat level, really. It's, all, guys, it's all about the tolerance, almost. You know, you want it to taste good. Bottom line is, oh, I, you're I, paying I, I money. You want it to taste anymore. good. You well, don't need it to be and, hot. And well, I agree with that because there's a certain level of, it's like if you use a shitload of cayenne pepper, right? It's fucking hot. Yeah. But the Doesn't flavor is good. garbage, yeah. and you're like, this ruined my flavor palette. But if you get wings that are just so good, you got to keep eating them, and even they're though they're such like. 100,000 scuffles, you just have to keep devouring because the, the flavor is so fucking good. That's the level of what you need to balance the heat and the flavor. I don't know if you've ever had that. I've had it for sure where I'm like... Well, that's what I'm always seeking for when I want when I look for and hot. I, I agree with that too. Delicious and hot. Absolutely. 100%. But I'm saying what she'll do is just... Add hot shit. So let me ask even you. Let me flavor. ask you a question. It's like sriracha. Let's talk about your cupboard here a little bit. What yeah, hot, yeah, let's do it. Let's do, do cupboards. What what hot sauce do you always have in your cupboard? Like oh, I have a couple. So I always have Frank's. I always have Tempio. I always have uh, sriracha. I always have um, Cholula. Tabasco. Wait, wait, wait. I don't have Cholula. I have Tabasco. You said Tapatio. So Tapatio and Cholula are kind of kind of same. Similar Louisiana, yeah. I always have to. That's a Tabasco. The same, same yeah. kind of uh, thing. So I have about four or five. I always, ha- I have a. Uh, the one I've discovered later in life that you didn't. A Thai mention. chili. I have that one. Oh, Ta- the Thai, Thai garlic. Chili. The Thai garlic chili. Thai garlic I always chili. have that one. You'll have to show me that later. Okay, I'll show you. The one I um, discovered later in life that I is a staple for me now. Is the green yucateco? What is that? Green. It's green. Um, it's like a habanero. Um, so it's a habanero base sauce. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, you know Randy. He always brings a bottle into ale. Uh-huh. It's the green version of that. Okay. I love it. I put it on uh, sandwiches. Um, pretty much any type of meat. Uh, it's really good rice and beans. Cool. Okay. So it's like a go-to for me. But what's what's it called again? Uh, it's called Yucateco, but it's the green version. They have a lot of different versions. It's green. So they got Rojo or Verde. There's style. a lot. There's a lot. Okay. Do you, what's in your cupboard? What, what, what's the hot sauces that you have? That uh, so aside you're, from that one, I do Tabasco yeah. always. Always Tabasco. Do you, eggs and Tabasco is that you? you do you, uh, love, do you I, like that? No, I actually don't. No, I actually don't do too much of that. Really? I use it for like fried foods or rice. Okay. Oh, Tabasco and rice. And soy sauce. Mm. Okay. I, I haven't really it. tried Tabasco oh, and rice too it. much. I love it. With uh, white rice, like mm-hmm. steamed rice. Yeah, yeah. 
I have a rice cooker that I use all the time just because I'm terrible at making cooking rice like sure. on the stove, so I have the rice cooker. Well, I'm half Filipino. So yeah, yeah, I'm for sure. So you're like a rice. professional that shit. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a? Do you have a? Do you make a favorite like um, a fried rice? Do you have a, a good fried rice? That you um. Do? So I always copy the Benihana rice because I I love their fried rice. Mm. So their method, I follow their method. I follow a lot of their ingredients. Um, I put the sesame seeds at the end like they do. Okay. Uh, so what, how do you start it off then? What, what, what do you, so what's the process? Rice, sort of? um, so I'm not that good at it because my rice always sticks. Uh, but I uh, definitely try with a hot oil. And then I come with the veggies like celery, onion, carrot. Yep. And uh, mirepoix. Sure. Uh, then I'll hit it with the rice, and I try to use Dale rice, and I sort of crumble it down. Okay. And just kind of cook. Oh, egg. Eggs. I'll throw an egg I, in yeah, there. Yeah, have some eggs in there. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll throw it with uh, the sesame seeds and the soy sauce. And the uh, and I learned this from Benihana is the, the garlic butter. Mm. So, uh, sure, fresh garlic and a pat of butter. Yeah. It's delicious. Sounds like a good fried rice, for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's great. Any uh, chicken or not? Or just kind of right straight fried uh, rice? Sure, if you have it, but... Yeah, right. Not but necessary. not necessarily. Just fried rice, kind of basic. Yeah. yeah. And everyone in the family loves it. Yeah, that's good. So... Cool. What about you, Sean? Do you make uh, any fried rice or any uh, any Asian kind of delicacy that you are, are very fond of? Uh, lately, I've been trying to dive into Thai cuisine... Which I enjoy. I love. Um, problem with... Or, actually, not to divert you, but also spices as well. So hot sauce stuff. And, and to getting into the, um, the your Thai cuisine or, or Asian cuisine. What I've realized is that my wife was Korean what she could handle in Korean food, I didn't like. Okay. But if I gave her Mexican spice, she didn't like. So there's different there's levels a, there of heat. There was a battle. Heat. Well, there's different levels of heat <coughs> within cuisines, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and you would think hot is hot. Mm-hmm. It's not. Right. So, with her, I was, I was constantly like... You know, eating her food, and she's like, "Oh, this is nothing." You know, right, right. gojujang, kimchi. It's like spicy yeah. to me. And then I would like take her to a Mexican restaurant. And she's like, "Oh, this is way too spicy." I go, "It's not that spicy." Yeah. So I, I, I think there's between cu- cuisines. I think there's a there's something there's a tolerance that, that I wouldn't understand, but it exists. Um, and depending on, like you said, the cuisine, like uh, style of food, whatever, uh, because there's certain, you know, a uh, uh, lot, you know, Mexican or Latinos or, or South American uh, hot sauces that don't compare to Asian hot sauces, right? Yeah, no, I, I and, and I, totally, I, a totally different flavors. I, I think as we sit here in California, Northern California, right? Because we, we get a lot. We get, we get the, we, we get, get everything. We get a, we get a, uh. uh we get bombarded of the of the a fucking uh, a hurricane or a tornado of spice. Well, we get them for from everywhere around the world. Exactly which is, is yeah. You know, 
I think like two, three years ago, you would say, you know what, we have nothing. We have a little bit of everything. But right now, I, I think between San Francisco and L.A., you're seeing where Korean, Mexican, and American food are starting to combine and it's starting to make sense. Yep. Whereas before, we thought, well, we're not really anything because we're not accepting any of these cultures. Mm-hmm. But the reality is they're coming into our cuisine. They're coming into our food. Yeah. And you're seeing it play out. You're seeing it play out in the most aggressive way, which is food trucks. You're seeing food trucks show up. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Asian food has really no cheese, right? Right. But on these food trucks, you're seeing kimchi. You're seeing gojujang. You're seeing Korean food with... In a burrito wrap with cheese, and people love it. You would never see that anywhere else. I'm not sure where else in the world this could exist. That's true. That's and, very true. And and four or five years ago, you would think that, well, we have nothing. But today, you see it and you go, okay, well, it's still nothing. to To these cultures, they won't accept it. But here, L.A. and San Francisco, it, it's really something. And, and we're starting to embrace it. It's, it's a, uh, it's a uh, what do you call it? It's a, sort of a, a, a melting pot of fusion, really. Well, yeah, right? I agree. It is. Yeah. And two, three years ago, we would have said this was crap. Right. This doesn't work. Now we're understanding that. We're actually accepting it. We're accepting the fact that all these cultures are actually combining. And it, it's it's happening at the food truck level, so we still don't accept it. Because it's not happening at the restaurant level. You're not going to see Korean and Mexican in a restaurant. You're just not going to see it yet. Not yet. But the reality is people love this food. Yeah. Outside of the like Koji tacos, what are you talking about? What That's you, what I'm talking like, about. Well, uh, you know, my bet my buddy That's Doug, what I'm talking about. My buddy Doug told me you know, Or Korean barbecue. Five right? or six years ago he's making adobo tamales or something. Uh, what else though? What else is, is crossing it, it, over it, there it, out there? Well what we're talking about right now is it's not happening at the restaurant level. It's happening at the food trucks. It's happening at the food carts. It's the beginning it's level right now. And, and L.A. Mexican tacos that are happening right now. And and we can't accept it as cuisine because it's not. Here's what I'm worried about. My kids don't really cook. I mean, they're young. And you ask me, Dan, when did you learn to cook? I said, well, I re- started reading about cooking eggs in an encyclopedia. At a young age. A very At a very young age. young age. And I don't think that my kids really did that, but fine. When did I cook again? college it's spaghetti um my kids aren't there yet so we have yet to see uh when i lived on my own right early 20s outside of college uh uh-huh. uh had to cook for myself right i couldn't eat out every night i mean i could but i didn't um so i've yet to see but i worry None of my kids are going to want to cook, Sean. Well, let me ask you this. Is, is this... So where are they going to... It is what it is, right? Your kids aren't going to cook. You don't know that. 
We don't know that, and that's what I was just saying. Yeah, but I, mean, no, I started the, much later. The handoff is not happening. No, anymore. the handoff isn't happening. And, yet. I, and I asked Jose, right, right. Jose Sanchez, the same question. I'm like, hey, who is learning your mother's recipes? He's mm. like, nobody. That used to be the handoff, and, and, and we could point to Redwood City as this. So it's ending here. Well, what a time to be alive! We killed the cookbook. No, we, we I'll tell you, <laughs> we killed the handoff. We killed this, the handoff. Is this where Uber Eats comes in? Yeah, yeah. We I'll tell you what. Yeah, we uh, you you've pretty much nailed it on. We've ki- we've killed the handoff. We've killed family tradition because the accessibility to what we have, what we were saying before, as the internet and uh, recipes online and the cookbooks. And, and Judy Rogers and, and, and all these other, you know, the Alice Waters and uh, of the people of the world, what, what everybody has learned from. The problem with that is the fact that everything is accessible doesn't mean it's good, right? You see a, a recipe online, that's just a, whoever's recipe. It, it's not somebody that sure. you look up to. It wasn't somebody that you thought was great. Mm-hmm. The handoff is the best thing you can ever do, especially down from your grandmother to, especially if, if you look up to those. And something that you've tasted, right? And you've felt and you and know you, yeah. what it should look like and smell like. And not everybody has that, right? Like, you know, my grandmother has recipes that I'm like trying to get the recipe, right. but they're never going to give it to me. I don't know what she does. Like, you know, I haven't hung out with her anymore. Like, you know, she's, you know, 3,000 miles away. It's like she does her own thing. And I'm like, I have my own sauce recipe and people are telling me, that shit's great. And I'm like, okay, if that's good, then I must be doing something right on my own. But is that is that where food's going? Where it's going to be delivered to us? No, I think that what you were saying, are your kids going to cook? That's going to be up to you. And it has to be that somebody shows an interest. And you have to make them want to be interested in being like, did you like that? What did you like about it? Would you like to learn how to make that? And it's kind of got to go from there, sort of, right? It has to. I, I get that. Like, I'll when I cook something, I know whether people like it or not. Sure, sure. I mean, you you don't you don't fill out a survey to tell me whether you liked it or not. Uh, I made a chicken soup the other day. I told you, my son and I ate a whole pot of it, so I know he liked it, and I mm-hmm. liked it. Um, so hopefully that happens. What you're talking about this handoff and. Hopefully we can get that going. That's the thing. It's not happening. It's not. Though. It's, it's not, not happening. I can't say it's happening. But it doesn't have to be an early age. It doesn't matter. Right. That's that. I didn't. So, I mean, you the same thing. Like you didn't really early, learn early on. You sort of started doing this, like you know, so high school level. I took it on because I enjoyed it, and because and because it, somebody's it passed by time, and it, and I you won something, something about it. You won something. Yeah. So that gratification was like already triggered in your mind that like you were like, hey, I'm, the completion was, of the event well, was worth. The yeah, time. you were like, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this. People liked my shit. I won something. I played music in my high school. I played guitar. I was in a band. I won the fucking talent show. I thought it was great. I'm great at this. Who the fuck can beat me at this? I'm good. I'm going to be continuing. There's no recipes to write music. There is, but you don't, nobody teaches you that. You got to like, 
you know, you have to like develop this thing. You have to like know. It's like an instinct. It's not cooking where you get cookbooks. There's like sheet music, but you know, to be able to write a song, they don't. Sh- Here's a songwriting thing. Go ahead, write the song. But the fact of the matter is that I won something, and it already set in my mind immediately. I'm good at this. Mm. I can do it. See, but I'm going to take you're it. You're talking about food as art and music as art. I'm talking about food as being an everyday objective. Like For sure. I eat it three times a day and I'm done with it. Uh-huh. When does it become an art if we just objectify it to something you have three well, times a day? I heard it's this, not worth I heard this in putting no energy way. into outside of... I heard this what in it does NOLA. For you. I heard this in NOLA. And really, where do you sit in the spectrum? You either eat to live or you live to eat. So when you live to eat, you enjoy food, you enjoy culinary, you seek out flavors, you seek out meals. You put a priority, right? And um, I'm looking at my family and people around me. I think they kind of eat to live. They're not on the live to eat. They're eat to live. I'm going to eat whatever's in front of me. or I mean, I'm sure they crave. But, but only right now because like I... Okay. I'll give you a uh, quick example is that my mom was not the best cook. She was not very good at things uh, cooking wise that she did. When she cooked it, it was okay. But there are things, there's like two or three recipes that I remember eating as a child that I'm like, I'm going to remember that because I loved eating as a kid. And now I can't replicate it, but I remember what she used and I replicated it on my own and I made it better. So if she were here today, because my mom passed away a long time ago, like 12 years, 13 years ago. If she were here today and tasted mine, she'd be like, this is a thousand times better. Hmm. She would just say that because I took her idea. So what is it? Tell me what it is. Just random things. So I make a uh, goulash that is a very simple thing to do. There's so tell a, me what is a goulash. So goulash, goulash is basically elbow noodles and, and ground beef and tomato sauce. Uh, Hungarian, right? It's very Hungarian, yeah. So my mom made this all the time. I'm Hungarian, yeah. But my dad, but my mom wasn't. My dad was, and she sort of just made this. My 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 mom. Uh, so noodles, so, meat, and veggies. It's noodles, meat, and not veggies. It's just noodles, meat, and seasoning and onions, basically. Uh-huh. But it's just in tomatoes, basically. It, it's a it's a, a sort of an a, Italian Hungarian dish, and you sort of just. If you use the wrong tomato sauce and tomato, it's just not going to taste exactly what how hmm. she made it. So she has specific ingredients that she used, and I'm like, I tried tons and tons of whatever you know, tomatoes and what not to use, and you know, there's chunks of tomatoes, but there's also a sauce. So you follow your mom's mother recipe, sort of, sort of. There's a key ingredient that I use that's just dumb to not use because every time it's just fucking killer is that, and, a, is that a like a chicken bouillon no no it's so it's a canned good which is hmm. campbell's oh like a cream of something it's a it's the tomato soup cream and tomato soup okay yeah campbell's tomato do you guys all feel that we're dinosaurs here <laughs> like cooking recipes for Why? an event 
do do not think that well, other Thanksgiving, saying, like, New Year's, or, or holidays are becoming the last bastion? Well, of all the people cooking, we mutually know, I'd say the three of us. It's so much more convenient cooked. just to order right. food or have it dropped off. I mean, that's what it's becoming, right? It is, but I don't want to let it do that. No, I, I, I like, don't. I definitely don't. Because when I do things, I have... So when I bring... I, I, I bring uh, me and my friend a long time ago, uh, since we love hot wings and, you know, we're, we crave... We had this craving of hot wings fucking for life. And I make this chicken buffalo dip. And we sort of uh, found this recipe. I sort of enhanced it, and I made it. We made it better, and you know, you know, we're both sort of like have our own recipe. But mine now has become a staple in things. When I bring it somewhere, they're like, "Is Joe bringing his dip, the buffalo chicken dip? Because that shit is fucking crack." You know, it's amazing, and I love that feeling. So. As long as you love the feeling of bringing something, we're never going to lose that. We're never going to no, lose. No, well, though we are losing it because I think between you and me and Dan, I mean, we're he, he has no kids that that want to carry this. Right? Not yet, though. They're, they're younger. They're young. How old? But how, they're not learning his recipes. I, I talked to Jose, and Jose is like. Like, hey, are, are, is your daughter learning her mother's recipes? Nor, nor would like, I expect well, them, Sean, nor would I expect them to learn my recipes. They're entertained in other be, ways. Because I cook shit differently every time. I, I One of the things that I say I'm, I'm good as a home cook is I don't, I change my lanes all the time. I might go Italian, I might go mm-hmm. Southern, I might go American or Asian. Because you're not afraid. And I try different recipes all the time. So my kids probably won't say, oh, that's a quintessential Dan Bascara dish. Uh, what they would say, what they get all the time is probably my spaghetti or my carbonara, my pasta dishes I make with no recipe. Um, Which is the sheet you need to write down. Yeah, but it's still simple, you know. Doesn't uh, matter. Ragu it's... level pasta, but you're right. It's uh, something that you've done. And what I said specifically, that's the recipe that you don't follow as a on the book. That's something that you make that you don't have a recipe. Well, one thing I do all the time are BLTs. So I don't okay. know if my family ever Perfect. listens to this. You think your kids will cook or order? Um, I Well, I'm talking about my BLT. And which one? Talking about my BLT right now, and I hope they Do all. Do you have a chef in the family? Uh, I picture all of them cooking to some degree. Uh, my, Izzy loved to bake sweet things, which I don't do at all. It's uh, a good one to do. You know, so my, I'm removed. I, my I, my I, son Diego works at Whole Foods. He cooks pizzas. He makes sandwiches. So he knows. So, so he's, he's learning he's, from somewhere outside. What about you, Joe? I mean, do you see? What you do that that's trench. No, it makes eggs. Absolutely. I would love to teach my future kid or... Uh, so I taught my niece, Lucy, uh, Laura's brother's uh, girl. She's about 11. And she's like, I'm going to make lemonade. And I was like, do you want to learn how to make real good lemonade that your kids would be like, "Is you know, whatever. And I taught her how to make a real lemonade. Hmm. It's the easiest thing in the world, but I just yeah. told her, 
she still tells people that I fucking showed her mm. how to make real good lemonade from her trees because she has lemonade or uh, lemon so she, trees. So she's proud of the fact that she learned to actually make. She was excited about it. So I'm cool about teaching people the simplest things that I know. Not the necessary it's like a chef level or whatever level, just to pass down what I know to somebody. So if somebody mentions my name somewhere, and they're like, I learned that from Joe. And I was like, cool. Sean, I want to ask you a question. So I listened to, um, gosh, what's this guy's name? Dave Chang. David Chang? David Chang. Momofuku. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Bullshit. You brought a Momofuku? No, I don't have it, okay. but I have it. Right. I know who he is. So I listened to him. He's got a podcast as well. Okay. And um, he gets a lot of questions and... Uh, I what I've heard him answer a few times is don't go to culinary school. You don't have to. Uh, he that's what he says. It, you you know you get a lot of debt and uh, he says it's not worth it. And I, I don't know exactly his argument, but I wanted to ask it's, you. It's all available on YouTube. Okay. Well, I, I wanted to ask. I know how to broom walk carrot. I could I could I could YouTube it. So so in your opinion, and really what the question I want to ask you, it's not go to culinary school or not. It's in your eyes. What makes a great chef? Is it a ambition? Ambition. It's it. You know what? So, uh, Bill Gates never finished college. Uh, Stephen Jobs never finished college. Zuckerberg never finished college. These are guys that had a drive. That knew what they wanted. Mm-hmm. I've I've gone to school with people at UNLV where I was in hotel restaurant management, and I had a guy that slept on my couch, and he was just a guy that knew what he wanted. Mm-hmm. It it's a drive. I mean, you don't need the curriculum to make yourself better. If you have that passion to do something, a cur- a curriculum only like. Say, hey, this guy achieved this, guy achieved that for a job interview. If you're that person and you know what you want in life, you don't need a degree behind you. Mm. The richest people in the world don't have degrees. I was talking with my family about this at Thanksgiving, and um, I'm more of a generalist. Like, I love a lot of different things, and I, I'm not, I can't say I'm an expert on one. And I was listening to my brother-in-law telling me he had such a clear path ahead of him. He wanted to learn this and get this type of job and have this type of career. I'm certainly not wired that way. And what I want to ask you is to be successful in cooking, do you need that professional training? Do you no. need? You don't need that. You can. No, be, no, no, no. You can just. And, and, how do you get and, it? And this is why I talk about. Me, the chef, and you, the home But you cook. see so much fine food out there. There's so much The reason fine I talk food. about you and me as being the, the difference between the two is because it's very blurred. You, you can learn anything as a home cook. If you're aggressive about what you want and what you want to do, you can buy all the books, mm-hmm. you can read, you can go online and watch all the videos. Buy all the You'll equipment. be there. My... The chef that I had when I was in Vegas, uh, he, he runs 11 restaurants, and, and 
in Vegas for, for Wolfgang Puck. And he's always told me, I wish I would have gone to culinary school. And I've told him, I go, Dustin, you don't need culinary school. You have the ambition. Well, that's a story did. there that he achieved such a level of because responsibility driven, without being driven. And this is before the Food Network, before all this other stuff where you could actually just... People believe that with accreditation that they're better than who they are. This guy knew he was good. Mm-hmm. And he read books, the books that were available to him, and he made himself better. The reality is, you can have a guy that goes to culinary school that doesn't give a shit, and then you can have a guy that is just driven by his own deal, and he's much better at that, which is which is true. I mean, what, and cooking is, is, is more the reality than anything else. You can't be a doctor by this, but you can be a chef. Hey, Joe, I want to say something that's yeah. kind of interesting. Um, so uh, starting in 2018, I started keeping a log of every every meal I made. Okay. So nice. I have about two years worth of data. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I uh, what I enjoy about it is uh, uh, after I cook something, I'll write it down on the log and uh, it reminds me of like maybe what ingredients I use, what I ran out of, and I can create a grocery list. I got that app for you, my friend. So the gro- tell you about, we'll talk about it later. Paprika. So, yeah. so the grocery list is key because I hate wasting. It Absolutely. Goes back to my OCD. 100%. And uh, so I, it's just, it's really, really been a nice thing for me. And uh, I tried to throw it all in a database recently. Mm-hmm. I have almost two years worth of data. I have a model and I have some technology of mine that I want to use, but uh, my list is all, it needs to be parsed, you know, it's not, it's, it needs to be prepped. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we should talk more about that online. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I, I love write, writing down what I cook. Uh, and what I want to do is see the results. Like, how many times have I cooked BLTs in the last... And I think that's... 24 months. I know? think that's important to... Also document. I I always just rely on what I've done, right? So now I have a formula, and I'm like, it, this needs always what I do, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to document your your. Well, your, I want to I want to I want to understand the relationship. So like yeah. to say, well, eighty seven percent of the time after you make uh, mole. You make enchiladas, or you know, there's uh-huh, absolutely there's things you can do, right? It's the classic, uh, you know, we're serving, um, you know, uh, meatloaf today and chili tomorrow, or something. You know, I mean, um, there's a lot of data in there that I want to use, and if it becomes an app someday, that's great. No, it'd be great. Uh, I have an app just to help you. Paprika? Yeah, paprika. <laughs> but we'll talk about it more in detail after the podcast. See, the, sure. the beauty about cooking is is it's not an exact science. Every time you make a recipe, it's different if you try to make it again. Yeah. The ingredients are always going to change. Like it, it's, And that's the beauty of it. Regardless it, of it, what, you know, it, what it you're bec- using, right? It becomes feel. Yeah. I mean, and that's... And you know, tasting, right? So it's like, it's like too salty, too this, okay... Blah, blah, blah. It's like knowing what you know on that recipe. It's like, I've made this before. It kind of is, is, is a little too much of this. I'm like, I already almost immediately know what I did wrong. Right? 
You already, yeah. you already almost know you fucked up something. You're like, uh-huh, I get it. Most most home cooks will take every one of the books and they will read it verbatim and say, okay, I liked it or I didn't like it. The problem is that most of these chefs are trying to like narrow down what they did and put it on paper. The reality uh-huh. is they're feeling and touching and, and realizing what it is for this recipe. They're trying to give you a guideline. We don't want guidelines. As as people that buy a book, we want exact recipes. It's Sean, never going to be exact. Sean, tell tell us a little about why you brought those two taco cookbooks. I'm curious. Um, you brought, okay, you carried two so, taco cookbooks. Yeah, up four flights of stairs, right, to get here. Why are they here? Um, so as we digress into cookbooks, I. Uh, the two cookbooks that I, I cook out of the most right now are taco cookbooks. I love Mexican food. I, mm-hmm. I love the tacos. Very simple. And, and for the most part, uh, Mexican food has is, is always been dealt a cheap hand. Like, because it's Mexican, it's going to be cheap. But the flavor profile of Mexican food is, is there with Chinese, French, whatever. They've always been told it's got to be two bucks. You know, it's got to be whatever to be good. These two books, like Gorilla Tacos and, and actually Tacos, which is... I bought you Gorilla Tacos for your birthday, by the way. Yes, you did. Um, never been there. Very nice. Never been never been there, but okay. uh, I read a lot about tacos in LA, and, and that's one of the famous... So restaurants I, uh, now. I, I watched Netflix and, and uh, watching a, uh, a Netflix... A Netflix show, uh, uh, they talked about Oaxaca as being like the food capital of, of Mexico. So I went down there with tacos in mind, and I came away with some of the best food I've ever had, mm. right? The, the best corn I've ever had, whatever. So this guy, Alex Stupak, was like a pastry chef in Chicago, New York, or whatever. And then he like gave it all up, and he decided to travel the regions of Mexico to make tacos. Very simple, very cheap. Whatever. But he, he created a restaurant out of that, which was a fine dining restaurant. And he basically basically took the premise of Mexican food as not being some cheap alternative to being something you would... Actually pay some money to go. destination yeah. restaurant. Absolutely. And, and so this is where I started with. And, and, and I started with this book. And I started like hand-pressing my own tacos for my friends and, and creating cool, you know, great taco recipes and stuff like that. So, you, so you, you've made your own uh, little tortillas. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome. I, I think it's fucking fascinating. Well, I still haven't done that yet. Cor- Very cor- easy to do. You can go to Mi Rancho and you can get the, the dough and press it out. It, it It's not, yeah. Very simple stuff. Very, and, and fortunately for us, we live in Redwood City, like this area, we where you can are, get all the ingredients. We have a lot to get, yeah. The 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 ingredients that we can, or the accessibility of the ingredients is fucking good right now. For sure, where we are. So this book is, is like where I started from. And I started like, Pressing my own tortillas and, and making some tacos. Like I did the uh, Conchita Pibil where it's like buried pig. I didn't bury the pig, but I did his recipe in the yeah. oven. And then after that, this guy bought me this Gorilla Tacos book, which is... Very contemporary. Very good. It's, it's 
fast forward on this, and it's a food truck book, and his top recipe is is a a sweet potato taco. Mm. And so I go over his house. He's like, okay, I got you this book. What do you make? And I'm like, I'm going to do a sweet potato taco. He's like, okay. Mm. So I made it. It's very good taco. Fantastic. Fantastic. For a vegetarian taco, it's fantastic. And, and, And his book is... When I first saw it, I thought it was like a gamed I, up, like... I, I felt like I was having uh, chicharrones, right? Hmm. With the corn nuts. Perfect. Right, recipe. So he, yeah. he, does a, uh, he does a sweet potato. You, you cook it. Yeah. You saute so. it later. And it's... You wouldn't think that a vegetarian taco would be that good. And, and when I made it, these guys were like, okay... We did it for halftime for a Niner game. Yeah. When I made it, these guys were like, okay, bring it on. And I, I made it for these guys. They're like, wow, that's really... It's fucking for, amazing. As a vegetarian taco, it's amazing. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that are vegetarians or vegans, and they want to know all the good tricks and things that are fucking that way. So, yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. So, so recommending this book for sure, right? These have been my two go-to books lately is like making tacos because I, I it's a very simple scaled down cuisine but you know mexico has has been uh dealt a bad hand in in, in the sense that people think that their food is it, not worth anything it, it's cheap it doesn't you know it but the flavor combinations in these two books are, are as much or is as qualified as any french cuisine yeah in my opinion. No, it's good. I feel the same way. I feel any culture that can bring anything to the table that people don't know about that are amazing uh, should, regardless of price-wise, we're going to take money and all that bullshit out of the equation. We're going to take good food. You, what you would pay for that stuff is your own opinion uh, compared to any French cuisine or what you know Italian or whatever you're fucking making, right? It's all the same to me. To me, every culture has a perfect replicate, or not just replicated, but you know, uh, the, their cuisine to the next level, and everybody's going to try to replicate it. You know, and, and regardless of what we're paying for it, you should learn it because there's so many good tasting recipes that people are just not going to take. You know, not not going to get. We we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Rosetta Constantino. Uh, she's a gal that runs a cooking class uh, program out of her house. You're talking Italian now. And, uh, and we're switching gears, but mm-hmm. it just something Sean and I did together recently. We okay. We we went. You know, he was enrolled in a ricotta cooking class, and um, said he was going. And I said, "Hey, that sounds kind of interesting." So it's a gal by the name of Rosetta Constantino. She's from Italy, obviously. Southern, southern Italy. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, she had to uh, migrate to the United States. She ended up in Oakland. She was a CEO or something. Okay. Silicon Valley. But uh, always respected and loved the food of Calabria and her grandparents and what they were all about and left that world and started... Doing cooking classes. I don't think she ever worked in a kitchen. Not professionally. Right. Um, So, well, her deal was, as a a 13, 14-year-old, they had to leave southern Italy because of, 
I think the socialism basically drove them out. Hmm. And so she came out here and uh, went to Cal Berkeley and, and got a degree and, and ended up working for some Silicon Valley companies, but still kept her home in Oakland and her garden, you know, uh, typical and, to, to Southern Italy. Like and bringing it, bringing it back to Simon Nosrat. Mm-hmm. They're friends, and I, I know I've seen them on um, social media. For sure. Touring each other's gardens, probably. Uh, but that was the amazing part about it, is the tomatoes. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the the gal, you know, has a tomato garden, and um, she harvests tomatoes, you know, uh, hundreds of pounds of tomatoes every year. Okay. Damn. And uh, not only that, you know, eggplants, beans. Right, she has a whole garden of... Sure. Uh, and I looked at Sean, he looked at me, and Sean said astutely, you know, I don't think she's got to buy many groceries, man. She's got it all here. Which uh, is something... Peppers. I think that's something we all can strive for, too. Yeah. Well, well the, I, I, I think in, the point is that... that even in Oakland, Emeryville, or wherever she was, yeah. you can actually have a, a garden not only just for yourself, but I think she, I think she got like five hundred pounds of tomatoes out of this backyard. That's so we're already self-sustainable, and we can uh, share as well. I, I well, yeah. I think so. I mean, with her, she, yeah, I think so it's she, anybody. When she you runs get, a great class. She's. Uh, where was yeah, that class at? It's in it's in Oakland Hills. Okay, uh, her name's Rosetta. Cooking with Rosetta. Look it up. She's um, yeah. I'm check that out. It's not cheap, but you get it's a okay. meal. You get a meal out of it. You spend an afternoon. Maybe it's not cheap. Well, you know, it's you get We're still benefiting. I know it's not cheap. It's, we learn how to make ricotta. We learn how to make ricotta. If if uh, wisdom and knowledge, the the price for it is whatever. If it's fucking two hundred bucks, who gives? I would recommend it. I, I'd do yeah. it again. Okay, it, it's. Um, I would do it with you guys too. I'll do it's, it. It's I'll a do lot it. of fun. Should, well, I'm down. Where I want to do it again? I'll do it. Yeah, I definitely do, Let's it, do it next year. Yeah. Um, so that's what we did together. It was a lot of fun. Um, learned to make pasta and ricotta. And... So going into the new year. Yep. You too. Right. What's your cooking? Well, I, I said it earlier. I'd like to really use my books more. It's sort of embarrassing. What's your guide? I mean, what do you what are you guys gonna do? What do you hope to achieve in cooking this year? Um, right, we have goals. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, we all want to lose fifteen pounds. <laughs> well, we gotta eat and run, right? You gotta run. You gotta exercise at least a little bit. Okay, so after that fails, <laughs> no, no, you can't fail. It's not allowed. Cooking wise, I'd like to use to my books so, Culinary. <laughs> what do you hope to achieve? I mean, we should all be better. We've, I think we've all come to the agreement that behind us are I'd not like to much. So we have to achieve for ourselves. I want to make yeah. my own tortillas next year. I like that. I like that. Uh, set a goal. Yeah. Set a goal. Yeah. Set I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose thirty pounds. <laughs> After that, it's a great goal. I want to make my own tortillas. You're going to make your own tortillas. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to continue and hopefully uh master and create better recipes, I think. And continue to work on what I need to work on, which is everything, but 
Doesn't matter what the recipe is. No, we so, need a goal. We need a goal. A set goal. We need. Shit. Well, for this year, I don't do want to say it out. I'm not going to say it out loud. I'm trying to open my own spot. Food. Food and beer. Really? My whole place. You going to be the chef? I want to be the chef, but I also need a cook, so I'm going to need to whatever. But if it's not this year, it's going to be the following year because I'm getting. To the point where I need to do my own thing. And I think that so, it needs to progress. So whether you cook that item or not, you should learn how to make that item so you can supervise yes, it, right? Exactly. So I mean, if, if it's hoagies, whatever it is. 100%. Whatever, if you want to do sausage, it doesn't matter. 100%. But you should at least work through that. Yes. So anything that I... So, I'm, so I've been practicing and doing and just baking, cooking, and doing whatever I think that i like and my favorites so i have some favorites and whatever that i you know i think i've been practicing and doing and i'm hoping to bring it all together into one and to my cuisine type or no i think uh it would be a joke it's a joke type really you're you're studying technique or you're yeah it's it's all that i'm studying technique i'm steady i'm studying cooking's um, broad like that you can go technique you can go ingredient right it it, obviously it takes a giant thing like it's gonna be a first of all it's gonna be probably a gastro pub of some sort and it's gonna have not. It's not fine dining, but it's gonna be better than your shit bar. So it's gonna have good food, quality food, local, maybe organic, everything that can be. What recipes? It's gonna be vegan. It's gonna be meat. It's gonna be all of it. I want everything to be how I want it, and it's gonna take some time and so finesse. Do you plan on making changing? So like. So Cisco and, and United Foods, uh-huh. those are the two trucks that used yeah. to bring me food, will bring you certain ingredients. Mm-hmm. They'll bring you ingredients that you can heat up and serve. They'll bring you yeah. prime steak. They'll bring you choice steak. They'll bring you whatever. Yeah. At what point do you feel that you're going to reserve food or recreate food? Is that... It, well, it's to where a challenge I, for you? I mean, is it like... The challenge is to, to, uh, to bring... The the best the best ingredients that I can without, but you honestly, need to change them. You need to make it yours, right? Exactly. So re- you know, regardless of like uh, having to go to Cisco or whatever, or just for me, just going to the farmers market is like my local heroes and be like, what what can you give me? They're like, oh, I can give you parsley. I can give you onions. I can give you this. I'm like, sold. This is you know, I'm getting onions from this guy and. On my local farm, and it's farm to table, but not. It's you know what I mean. It's like, you know, I can get all the best things, but I get all these See, good creations. You're in the middle of it. Uh, you could do yeah. whatever you want here. Yeah. I mean, you could, you can change the ingredients, or you can live off what's delivered to you by location, and yeah. and live off that. I think my main goal is to just have a good time, good food, and good beer, and people to just. Be able to recognize that rather than go to a shit place and be like, yeah, eh, this place is okay. You know what I mean? Like, no. And, I'm coming to your place because it's fucking awesome. It's fucking and, cool to hang out there. And there's a lot to owning your business. It's yeah. either your personality. Mm-hmm. If you plan to be there, then yeah. 
And like that's you said, that's a big deal. And like you said before, it, it takes the drive, it takes the energy. You uh, want to do it? Well, you know, yeah. I mean, people appreciate that. They yeah. people go to a restaurant. They go. They go out for dinner for an experience. I mean, we're we're dumbing it down to be computers like we're like oh right. we don't need this we don't need that we need all a of robot serving your shit you know and uber eats will deliver your shit to your door drop it off whatever yeah but i really appreciate when the waiter comes up to me and he missed something or something's happening there's a problem there's like, a problem and you're yeah. dealing with that at your table like oh mm. shit yeah you know it's the experience of eating out absolutely you know there's a personal experience there that that and even when you go to a bar right like so your favorite bar but they don't serve food and like ale for example i can't knock the bar because the bar is great it's fun it's you know they got everything else that i want except you go there for the bartenders i mean well you go for the bartender a robot could throw me that beer Mm -hmm. for less for sure but you go for you know, the bartenders, the experience, the music, the you know the vibe of the place, right? Yeah. But the experience, the human yeah. experience. But if they also serve food, if this was a bigger place, you'd be like, I would just never leave here. I wouldn't have to leave here, right? I have the best fucking food here, the best beers here, the best entertainment. So you got those three ingredients as a chef, because I always think in chef minds, writing a song, creating food. Owning something, the three ingredients, whatever you need, will sell and people will come and it will be a good place. Well, that's what makes GHS such a great location. Exactly. There's a human experience. There's a real human experience. Absolutely. Which is, 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 you you don't get that from Uber Eats. I I think Mm -hmm. we're driving towards that end, but the reality is what's saving us is the ability for people at ALR so like you yeah. and other people walk up and say hey what's going on oh shit you know anybody could just order something and have it delivered to them absolutely you gotta get the full experience that's a meal yeah. that's like your bacon and eggs in the morning without any yeah. experience and we're having a conversation about it yeah. to learn from each other i think that's what Absolutely. people want people want the story i mean we're yeah we're bored in life right we, yes. we we get to work we do our work we go home yeah we 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 do nothing or we go out and we look for some sort of like something that that makes us excited about the event that we're at right yeah we're not just going i mean if, if i just went to ale to sit there and order a beer then I could go pick up a four pack and walk away. Exactly, hey, but I want to see home. what Steve and and, and and Tara and Lauren have to say. So, exactly. guys, guys, I, I looked at my list from last year. Uh, okay. January first, twenty nineteen. I made the Zuni breaking cafe. news right now. Yeah, I made the Zuni Cafe roast chicken. I did. All right, there you go. Uh, but I made two dishes that day. Oh, okay. I also made cotagino with lentils. Nice. Which is an Italian. It's a I didn't know this before, but it's a uh, Italian like sausage, cut in like coin shape, cotagino. It's a uh, think of a bologna almost, cut in the shape of a coin. No pictures, Sean, just a list. But the 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 sausage is looking like a little the lentil, the two round right coin shaped dishes. That's what I made on January first last year. Damn, all right. So started off the year with coin-shaped foods. Is that what it is? 
Coins is money. Like, that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Continue. I got to. Okay. It's How about you, man? Yeah. Do you know? What, what do you do, do? Yeah. What do you do uh, New Year's Day? You know what? Um, there's no recipe. For, for uh, it's always been just football and, and whatever. I mean, there's, there's. I think I met you on Harry's one year. What's that? I bet you at Harry's one year, Hofbrau, I think, on New Year's Probably. Day. I mean, there's, I mean, for for Christmas and Thanksgiving, I, I, I think we have a, uh, you know, like, a set menu. But for New Year's, it's always been wake up hungover mm-hmm. and watch football. Right. I mean, do you have a set menu for New Year's? Or no, you... just the chicken. No? Chicken so you actually that. do something every year? I try to make the chicken, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's. I, th- I think New Year's Eve is, is historically supposed to be like the prime rib and like the the you know, the big feast, but I've never celebrated New Year's Eve other than we went out and got pissed drunk, and the next day woke up and watched football. How about you? <laughs> Did you get all your books out or what? No, uh, yeah, pretty much. Do we hit? Do we hit on the big ones? So tell me, this tell is me about uh, well. Let's wait till Joe enters. Uh, this is that's uh, fine dining. Jean Louis Paladin. That seems like fine dining. So, uh, how would you describe fine dining actually? Uh, where, uh, I don't know that I've ever experienced fine dining. Uh, you know your. Enjoying fine dining when you're uncomfortable. I like that. I, I don't like think I'd like. I don't think right. I'd, it's like, oh shit. I don't think I, I like, want to oh, be. God, yeah. How many waiters do we need to get me a spoon? Right. Right. So, so what is this book? So this is Jean Louis Paladin. Um, French, right? He is French. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so his deal. And he's one of the beginning of the, the trees of, of, of culinary experience, like Alice Waters' boom at the top, and then everybody below. This guy, uh, he, he came to Washington in the Reagan years. And at the time, like, it was a heyday, right, for, for Washington. Like, Reagan was there, everybody having a party. This guy comes in, and he brings... French techniques into Washington for all the the diplomats and all that shit. So he brings foie gras, Mm. which at that point it was liver. We didn't want it. We didn't care about it. We didn't we didn't care for French. He brings it in there, and he he makes it a staple in Washington. So he kind of the thing about guys like this is like they were they were pioneers the pioneers of the time they sure. weren't recognized for who they were as great chefs he was a trendsetter let me flip for that so what he did was he 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 went through all these restaurants did this thing bought foie and he was like i think a one or two mission star in, in france and then came here and then just got yeah. kind of beat up going to washington doing whatever his thing so he came to vegas in 19 19- my notes are 80s, 
What I appreciate about the, this book is I can see there's menus, multiple menus. So it's cooking with the season. So that's right. winter. So he came to Vegas in 1997. Hmm. Guy's a chain smoker. Died from lung cancer. Um, Charlotte Flan. Charlotte Flan. You guys ready for Charlotte Flan? Nobody. So <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ready for that shit. <laughs> What this guy was doing at at the time when he even came to Vegas, he didn't break stride and go, okay, I'm going to do tuna tartare. He he did his thing. Yeah. And nobody appreciated it at the time. But where he came from and what he did was he was a pioneer. He was he was paving the way for, for culinary people across the country. Yeah. I didn't know who he was. Right. And I worked at the hotel where he came into at the Rio. Uh-huh. And I met the guy. I'm like, oh, that's John Louis, chain smoker. Yeah. Little did I know that was his death. Right. So after that, I met my chef from Wolfgang Puck like five years later. He goes, uh-huh. John Louis, the shit. I go, really? So I bought this guy's book. You can't buy this book anymore. It's John Louis, Cooking with the Seasons. He only put out one book. He didn't put it out. They put it out for him. This, this is, is a unicorn. Before, interesting. This is before cookbooks and all this shit. Right. I would love... It's a beautiful book. ...to see restaurants cook this stuff just to cook it. Right. To, to do, like, dead chef's menus. Like, yes. This guy, uh, 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 Charlie Trotter, like, these guys that were yeah. before their time that put out the stuff that became what it is. They, this stuff, you look at the plates, it's... Doesn't make sense right. to us today. Absolutely. But what this guy did was he paved the way for modern cuisine. This is one dish they present. So I assume you would be served this at yeah. the table. Salad of morel mushroom. Stuffed with Louisiana crawfish. On fresh hearts of palm. Anoki mushroom. Asparagus and bell peppers with crawfish vinaigrette and herb vinaigrette. Wow, that's a beautiful plate too. Look at that; it's great. But it it's it's yeah. so dated. I mean, no, you look at this. Not, and, and still, it's it. This is a cookbook I have that I would never use to get you, a recipe out of. Well, you say but it's have dated. You, have you ever made anything out of it? You no, say it's dated. No, one thing. You've no, never made anything. No, no. Okay. It looks. No, like, most cookbooks are built on start with this. These are your ingredients. This right, is right. how you build your 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 build pantry. It. This is what yeah. you do, and then we have those. No, this yeah. is. It starts off with spring. Well, it looks very dated because it looks '80s. Nothing's touching each other. But, I love the '80s. So right, Every, everything's back very then. Cookbooks artistic. didn't have to be achievable. Cookbooks were just a representation of uh, photos and stuff like this. You would never do this until the 2005, 2010s. Did you actually have to put a cookbook out that made sense where people go, "Hey, I'm trying to make this." Yeah. Like, and you can respond back to the chef and go, "Hey, what the hell?" This doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Here, it's just like, take photos of my shit. It's what it is. It is what it is. And he didn't write it, right? He didn't put it out. Somebody else probably, put it out. Yeah, probably it's just photos of whatever. And right. he was, this is the only book, this is one of the greatest chefs in American history of America. One book. 
he never capitalized on his ability to be who he was. He just did it. And nobody, you would never open this book up and go, for for a home cook? Yeah. You'll never make this. If I were to put this in front of my chef friends and say, hey, can you make this? would be like, yeah, we can, but what for? Mm-hmm. But I would love to see... Somebody try. Eh, I don't know what you get out of that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. who knows? Something maybe something fantastic that you're like. There's a lot of dead chefs from the 70s and 80s where did this type of stuff where you're like, yeah, it's not achievable through the book. And most the thing about most cookbooks and what I've realized, what we've gone through with cookbooks is 70s, 80s, and 90s was all here. Good luck. Look at the photos. Yeah. Then in 2010 and beyond, it was like, okay, how do you really do this at home? Yes. And which is where Tartine, the book, comes in. It was like, okay, we can do this at home. Yeah. And that's what people are looking for right now. It's like, it's not just a cookbook for pictures and, and how this works in a restaurant. How can this happen at my house? It's different. It's different today, which is better for us. I feel, no, it's great for us. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. No, I agree. It's great. Um, all right, well, we're basically almost out of time. So it's not possible. I've got we've 10 more gone, books out of my bag. Here. We've gone over the time, double. So good, but I like it. Uh, always needs to happen. Good. Um, but we will say we'll start with. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to leave out into the world uh, of what New Year or cooking or whatever you guys want? It doesn't have to be cooking related. I just, just want to say yeah. I enjoy being in a kitchen. You know, as I get older. Uh, you know, we work, we do different things. Uh, I really notice as I get older that I enjoy being in the kitchen. Uh, so I'm glad I found that. Yeah, that's great. And, um, I'm glad to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for oh, having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for the beers and the conversation. Cheers. I, I love the culinary conversation because it could go for fucking 10 years and I would still love it. So I'd like to say Dan has been my inspiration for the last few years to to breach the difference between the real chef and the home chef. And what I like to say to anybody out there is, is keep cooking. Don't be afraid. Pick it up. Watch videos. Do whatever you want to do. Keep it going because I feel in, in my heart of hearts it, it's dying and losing. Even though there's a lot of content out there. I don't think p- people are watching it and trying it. I think that we need to do that. I, I'd like that. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely, I would like for more people this year to cook, and to f- have fun with it and and uh, taste. It should be fun. Yeah, it should be fun. It should be tasting. You should not just go out because there's so much to learn and to feel. And I think we uh, collaborate and feel and bond. Together, as we cook, we drink, we hang out, we have a meal, we enjoy, and we talk about it. I mean, I think that's the key in any uh, family and friends get together, uh, friendsgiving, or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. I think we all can relate and be a part of that. It's a common bond. Yeah, it's a very common bond. And I think we can all learn from each other, regardless if you're the professional chef or a home cook. I think uh, whether following a recipe or creating your own or making it a spin-off of something, I think it works 
you know, and all the aspects. And I think I think everybody would learn so much more about each other if we just cook and hang I, out. I hope we've inspired you. You've inspired me <laughs> plenty. I want to hang out with you guys and just fucking cook. That's all I want to do. I just want to hang out and cook right, and right. fucking go, let's go places and fucking do it. Or just go, and let's go to a kitchen and fucking cook together. That'll be fun. All right. Yeah. So, all right. All right, brother. Thank you. Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll see you guys later. All right. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Check out a few deep.com for any podcast information you might need. Subscribe and all that stuff. Thanks to Dan and Sean for coming and hanging out on the podcast. They were great. Uh, great conversation. Also, thanks to Ale Arsenal in San Carlos, the Rosen Crown in Palo Alto, James Beer Store in Mountain View, and the Willow Market in Menlo Park. All great places to get great beer and maybe meet some cool people. Who knows? Uh, yeah, so Happy New Year, everybody. Be safe. Have a fun holiday. We're hanging out at the Rosen Crown this year for New Year's Eve. I'll be pouring some champagne flutes for free and we're going to watch the countdown you know we're going to watch the ball or whatever the you know or i don't know maybe we'll watch the ball as well it's like a new york thing it's just a saying now it's like oh watch the ball drop but i don't know if we're really watching the ball drop we're, we're watching the countdown the countdown to extinction my friends the countdown so yeah uh we'll be hanging out there so if you're in the area come by hang out with us um other than that no you guys have a safe and happy holiday And I'll see you next year. Late.